all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Kids and Teens and MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Asthma is a very common childhood disease that many adults also suffer from as well. So today, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to discuss asthma, including the triggers, symptoms, and treatments. If you have any comments and questions, we would love to hear from you. So give us a call this morning at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can also send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org. So I thought asthma would be a good topic to discuss today because we know asthma and allergies tend to go hand in hand. And we talked about uh, allergies a few weeks ago on the show and how bad they're flaring up right now, although we hopefully are starting to see that slow down a little bit. But I've gotten some calls about patients with asthma. We've seen some in clinic as well uh, with asthma flare-ups now with all the allergies out and about. And so I thought today would be a good time to talk about that. So if you have any questions, maybe your child or grandchild suffers with asthma or you do, we would love to hear from you. So give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877 Before we get started um, to talk about asthma, um, I figured we could just do a quick coronavirus update and um, talk a little bit about what's going on and update you a little bit about what we're seeing over at the university hospital. Um, So as we know, the coronavirus is, is still Um, very prevalent, unfortunately, in the United States and in Mississippi. We have about 6,500 cases now. Um, We are still testing people. There are most of our clinics have testing available um, throughout the state. We have the fairgrounds testing. So all of that is available. If you have any questions, you know, you can always get on the health department's website, And there's lots of information. There's a coronavirus hotline that you can call, um, and they can provide lots of information about it. Uh, The shelter in place was lifted earlier this week, and uh, now the term the governor is using is the safer at home. So we know that some of our businesses are starting to slowly open back up, and within the next 10 days or so, even more businesses are going to be opening up. Uh, I know a lot of people have different feelings about this and where we should be going from here. Um, And I'm not here to say that there's one way, that one right way, uh, but I do want to make sure that we're reiterating that even though businesses are starting to open up, um, which we know is all good for the economy, we still have to be safe. So we want to make sure that we're protecting you, uh, your family, your friends, 
grandparents. Uh, you know, when you go out in public, please make sure you're wearing a mask. Uh, please make sure you're washing your hands as much as you can. We're still going to see this virus, and especially with more and more people going out and about, uh, there is, uh, you know, always that concern that we're going to start seeing more and more cases. So just be smart about it. Try to stay home as much as you can. Uh, you know, if you have to get out and about to go to work or to go to the grocery store, again, just be smart about it. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Uh, everybody is frustrated. I'm frustrated. I haven't, you know, seen a lot of my family members in almost two months now um, just because we have all been trying to stay apart and staying at home as much as we can. And so we're all ready for our lives to be back to normal. But the only way we're going to get back to normal is if we are being safe about wearing our mask, washing our hands. If you feel sick, please don't go out in public. Um, you know, even if it is just a minor symptom, stay at home so we can kind of see what's going to happen with your symptoms. It may just be a little runny nose from the allergies, uh, but we want to make sure that you stay at home, even if it is mild symptoms, to kind of see how your symptoms are going to turn out so we can make sure that it's not anything like the coronavirus. Well, Dr. Uh, um, Morgan, how you doing? <laughs> this is Michelle. Good. Yeah, hey. Good deal. Uh, glad to see you again on Skype. See you smiling. I um, have a question about um, immunizations and children. I know a lot of people, like you said, are staying at home trying to stay safe, um, but their children have uh, appointments. So you have the three months, six months, and you know how you guys schedule them for their uh, immunizations. Is it safe to take your child uh, to their wellness checkup? Uh, should they still go? And if so, uh, should they be aware of the precautions uh, that the offices have put, have put in place? Yeah, so that's a great question. So the way our clinics are running and the way most of the clinics throughout the state, I think, are running now um, is we are still seeing our pediatric patients for their checkup visits, especially if they need to get their immunizations. So that's one thing that the AAP has try to um, make sure they have a stance on is that our children, especially 18 months and under, that need those immunizations still need to be going to their checkups and getting their vaccines. Uh, we are taking uh, very strict precautions. We're making sure everybody wears a mask when they come in the building. Um, for our pediatric patients, they only have one family member that can be with them. Uh, for our adult patients, we're trying to limit it to no no people with them. Um, so trying to keep as many people out of the clinic as we can to decrease exposure. So it should be safe for your infant to go and get their immunizations and their checkups. Here more recently, uh, there's actually been recommendations to kind of open up more checkup visits. So not just doing the 18 months and under, uh, but also trying to get our all of our children in for their checkups, um, even if they don't have to get their vaccines. And I know more and more clinics are starting to do that within the next couple of weeks. That's that's going to be happening. Um, so if your child is due for a checkup, you know, call your pediatrician, talk to them. It should be safe for them to go. Uh, another thing that the clinics are doing that I forgot to mention is a lot of people, including our clinic, are trying to see only checkups in the morning and seeing sick visits later on in the day so that when you bring your child to the doctor, or if an adult, if you need to come to the doctor for a, a certain issue, 
our sick patients are only going to be seen in the afternoon. So again, that's decreasing your exposure to anything um, if the child is sick, if a patient is sick. So that's a couple of things that we're doing in clinic to make it be safe because yes, we need people to come in and get their checkups and get their immunizations. Um, so that's one of the things that we're doing. Another question I have, do you recommend babies wear masks or that the parents just cover them up with a blanket? Yeah, I would probably say cover them up. Really, I mean, wearing the mask probably around ages two and three is when I would start doing that, just because it's it's hard for a toddler to understand what's going on with the mask. It can be very scary uh, for the toddler to wear a mask. So usually around ages two and three is when I would say to start recommending your child to wear a mask. And again, it's it's something that's scary for the child. I mean, I hate wearing it as an adult, much less you can imagine what a child feels like with that own. Um, So it may be something that you could practice at home as well. Uh, You know, practice letting your child walk around the house with the mask. Or um, another thing that I had read that a lot of people were doing is putting masks like on your child's stuffed animal or baby doll uh, so they can see that, you know, it's okay for other people to wear it. And if your child has an attachment to like a stuffed animal or a baby doll, that may be something you could do is let them take that with them um, and put the mask on the, the baby doll or the stuffed animal so that it just brings a little bit of comfort to your child that's going to be wearing the mask. But for our babies, I wouldn't recommend um, wearing a mask. I would just try to keep them covered as much as possible. So we're going to talk about asthma, but if you have any questions about coronavirus or any of the recommendations that are out there, I'll be happy to answer those as well. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So, asthma is a very common illness that we see in childhood, but we're also seeing in our adults as well. Um, You know, there is kind of that everybody thinks about asthma mostly as in kids and that they grow out of it by the time they're an adult, but we see a ton of adults as well with asthma. And one of the statistics I found showed that 17 million Americans suffer with asthma. So, that's, that's a pretty significant amount of people that have asthma. And a lot of times we think of asthma as just people that wheeze and cough and doesn't really cause that many problems, but asthma can kill you. You know, we have about 4,000 deaths per year associated with asthma. So it's a very serious illness. It's a very common illness. And so that's why I wanted to talk about it because we do see a lot of flare-ups of it this time of year because a lot of times it can be associated with allergies, which are also flaring up this time of year. So just a a quick little reminder of what asthma is. So asthma is when your lungs, the airways in your lungs, the lining of those are very swollen, irritated, inflamed, and they stay that way. It is a chronic illness that the lining of your lungs is always going to be like that. It's always going to be irritated and inflamed. And when it comes in contact with what we call a trigger or something that makes that even worse, 
it really causes problems. So they're always kind of irritated, inflamed, a little hyperreactive is what we call it. And then when they come in contact with that trigger, that's when you have the problems with the kids having problems with wheezing and shortness of breath and coughing. And again, it usually is triggered by something. So today we're going to talk about what some of those triggers are and how we treat those and what are some things that you can do to help with that. We're going to take our first break, but if you have any comments or questions, please give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. We're talking today about asthma, which is very common in our children, but as well as our adults. So we're going to be talking today about triggers and how to treat that. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So we've got a couple of callers. So we'll go first to Stephen and Kapaya. Yes, um, I I am 62 years old and I grew up as an allergy asthma patient. So I could talk your ear off if I'm not careful. But um, I I just want to express a a real frustration that I ran into. It was probably close to 10 years or more ago when they took what I considered for me and probably a lot of people, a wonder drug off the market for it when they locked down on Primatine. Primatine was a super medicine for responsible people such as myself who only took it when I needed to because I wanted to make that box last as long as I could. So I even snapped the pills pills in half to make it last because they they were strong enough to open my bronchial airwaves right up and it really aggravated me when with drug users were the cause of taking uh, Primatine and those that are along that line off the market. And it really caused a lot of us to suffer because of that. But fortunately, I found a, uh, a very inexpensive remedy when I didn't have that. And I've outgrown most of it. Every now and then I'll start wheezing just a little. But I've outgrown most of it. But when I didn't have anything uh, along those lines that would open me up quick enough, I accidentally discovered as a teenager that caffeine will do pretty much the same thing with a safer, um, a safer dose of it. Because I discovered as I would start, if I was wheezing, if I start sipping on a Coke or a Pepsi, within five minutes, my, my airwaves would open up. 
And I discovered as an adult, coffee and tea, and many people steer away from that thinking, oh, this is a child. You don't want to give them a bunch of caffeine. Nobody said anything about a bunch, just a few sips on a Coke or a Pepsi, if you don't have asthma medicine with you, can help open their airwaves right up. And uh, I want to hear what, what you are aware of about that. Yeah, so thank you so much for your call today. Um, so the promethine is epinephrine. So the problem with epinephrine is it does have a lot of side effects and it really does need to be given in a controlled setting. And so I think that's probably part of the reason they took that off the market. Um, just because, you know, we recommend our patients, uh, epinephrine is what is in an EpiPen. So if you have an allergic reaction, uh, we recommend if you have to give that, you need to go to the ER as well. Because the other thing about epi is that it can be short acting, so it doesn't stay in your system for very long. So there's always that risk of having a flare up recur. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, yeah, they did have to take that off the market. But I think part of that is probably just because of the side effects. Um, and you have to be monitored when you give that medication. Uh, with regards to the caffeine, I think you're, you're probably onto something because we know caffeine is a lot like the medication that we used to use a lot for asthma, um, theophylline, which we know is a um, bronchodilator or opens up the airways to help with the breathing and to help with the air exchange. So, I mean, I think you probably are right with something with the caffeine because it is so similar to theophylline, and we know that we use theophylline for years to treat asthma. Um, so I, I agree with you. I could see how that would be helpful for you. Wonders on me, and I know people would want to be careful giving it to a small child, but I, I when I shared that information with a, an older coworker, she said she remembered when her mother uh, would be treating her siblings with um, asthma, she would take just ordinary breakfast biscuits and dip it in a little coffee and let them nibble on that, and uh, it would help ease their wheezing up. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's something that you could think about in a situation which, you know, we hope that all asthma patients have their inhalers with them, but there are definitely times where you're going to be caught off guard without your inhaler, and that's something that you could remember if there is coffee or something around that has caffeine in it. That's a good point. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for your call today, Stephen. We appreciate that. We'll go next to Raven in Forest. Hey, Raven, are you there? Uh, yes, ma'am, I'm here. Can you hear hey, me? Hey, what's going on today? Well, I, I don't have a question about asthma, but I do have a concern. Uh, about six months ago, I was uh, diagnosed with hepatitis C. And I took the treatments, you know, the pills and everything for three months, and it came back undetected. So I, I'm sure that that's cleared up now. But um, I also, uh, you know, I go every year for my pap smear, and uh, the last time I went, uh, they called me and, and told me that it something that showed up in it that it wasn't cancer or anything like that that it could be anything you know an infection anything and uh i assumed that it wasn't very serious because he didn't uh schedule me to come back in for another six months and so uh i'm waiting to go for my appointment but uh i've noticed that since i took that medication uh for my hepatitis, um, 
my stomach is bloated out. I, I'm a small small person. I usually weigh around 108, 109, but now I weigh 131, and it seems like it's all in my stomach. It, it, my stomach, it, I didn't weigh but 132 pounds when I had my son, and uh, but everything was fine with that. But um, I've just I've never weighed this much, and it seems like it's all in my stomach. It's like my stomach's all bloated out, and I'm not having any pain or or anything like that. But I was just curious as to my what whether you guys might could help me with that. Yeah. So I think I would call your doctor, um, either your I'm not sure where you got treated with hepatitis C. Sometimes our GI doctors do it. Sometimes our infectious disease doctors do it. But if you have a GI doctor or even your primary care doctor should be able to do this, uh, I would start with putting an ultrasound on your abdomen. So hepatitis C affects your liver. And likely a lot of times people don't realize they have been have been infected with hepatitis C. And so you can have long-standing hepatitis C yeah, before you no realize idea. it. I had no idea that I was, that, you know, anything was wrong. But my primary doctor just went ahead, and I'm 63 now, and, uh, you know, he got, he gave me my pneumonia shot, you know, and he just he's just real great at, at you know, doing little tests that he thinks maybe you might need, you know. And, um, yes. Yeah. So and we actually recommend testing anybody that was born between 1945 and 1965. Everybody needs a one-time screening for hepatitis C. And that's just because a lot of the different processes that we, you know, we didn't know a lot about hepatitis C and how it was transmitted. So a lot of the blood processes and um, needles and different things like that, that we used, the sanitary processes weren't as advanced as they are now. And so there were lots of exposures to hepatitis C, especially for those age ranges of people. So that's why they probably checked it. But, you know, hepatitis C affects your liver. And one of the things that we have, especially if you didn't realize you had hepatitis C for a long time before you got treated, it may have done some damage to your liver and caused some problems with the liver. And one of the things that we see people with liver disease is our liver makes our protein and so when the liver doesn't work as well you get decreased amounts of proteins and for that you swell up and in particular people with liver disease tend to swell up in their belly the term we use for that is ascites um, and so it's really easy to spot ascites on a physical exam. Um, since we're not seeing many people in the clinic and doing exams on people, that's something still that you could discuss with them over telehealth, and they could get you set up to do an ultrasound of your abdomen. And the ultrasounds are super easy. There's no radiation exposure. It doesn't hurt. They just put the jelly in. They're able to look and see if there's fluid there in your abdomen. Because that would right. be the biggest concern I had, is that maybe you're accumulating some fluid because of your liver disease. Right. Well, see, they gave me an ultrasound when I went to the doctor before they started me on the medication. Mm -hmm. And they said that I didn't have hardly any scar uh you know, scars on my liver, liver scarring, whatever you call it, and uh -huh. uh, you know that that 
actually, you know, um, I would be easy to, to treat for it. And, uh, which, you know, I had to go back to see them every month, you know, to get my medication and stuff. And uh, I took it for three months. And every time I went back, even the first time I went back, it showed up undetected. And so yeah. then, you know, and the, the last time I went, it showed up undetected. And so I just yeah. assumed that, you know, that was gone. And, but then I, I just started, you know, noticing my stomach getting big. I mean, it's almost like I'm pregnant. And I, I, I've been scared to go to the doctor, to be honest with you, with all this mess going around. And, uh, I'm waiting now to go to my, uh, gynecologist in Meridian and, uh, you know, Maybe he can he can tell me something or you know before I call Doctor Plot back and I I just thought maybe you might have some ideas on that. Yeah, that would be what I would be the biggest concern for. Um, and the reason we worry about keeping that fluid in your belly is because it can get infected. Um, and so if you did have some fluid in there, there's some medications and diuretics that we can do that can help decrease that fluid accumulation in your belly. Um, because we definitely don't want that fluid to get infected because it can make people pretty sick if that happens. So I would call your doctor. Most doctors, if they're not seeing you in the clinic, they're doing a telehealth and it's something that they could discuss with you. Um, they could probably set you up for getting some labs and an ultrasound to take a better look at what that is. But that would be the biggest thing I would be concerned about is if you're collecting some fluid in your abdomen from the liver. Right. I understand. So. Well, you've been a big help, and you made me feel a lot better. And All right. Well, I hope you get some answers to for your question. I'm I'm sure I will. I've got great doctors, and and they've all been great. And I love y'all show, and happy 50th anniversary. Oh, thank you so much, Raven. We appreciate it. So we're talking today about asthma, um, but if you have any questions or comments about anything, we're happy to answer any of your questions. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We will take our second break, but if you have any comments or questions, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we're talking about asthma and what some of the triggers are and how we treat that. 
If you have any comments or questions, we would love to hear from you. So give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. And we will go to our next caller, Steve in Vicksburg. Uh, yes, ma'am. I also ask a question. Um, it's, not, it's not about asthma. Um, I was, uh, want to find out. I'm trying to find something to help me sleep at night. Uh, for about 20 years, I took Ambien, and um, I've just been taken off of it. And um, I, I don't know, it's like one of the things out there naturally I could take, you know, all natural or something. Have you tried uh, melatonin? Uh, I, I have, yes, ma'am. My, my problem is it's like getting to sleep, uh, the initial falling asleep. I, so I sleep with a CPAP. Yeah, so melatonin is probably one of our best things um, that's all natural, So, it, especially if you have trouble falling asleep. Unfortunately, in my experience, I found melatonin is not very helpful for people that have trouble staying asleep, but it is pretty good for people that have trouble falling asleep. Um, so it's the hormone that our body naturally makes that helps us get ready for bed so and to fall asleep. So when the sun starts going down, our body increases the um, output of melatonin. And so it kind of helps you get ready for, to fall asleep. So it's really good for people that have trouble falling asleep. Um, so that would be the first thing I would recommend is the melatonin. There's lots of other remedies out there. I know there's lots of like sleepy time teas that have chamomile um, and some that have lavender. Lavender supposed to be also very relaxing um, so it can help you get ready to fall asleep as well so those are probably three of the bigger things that I think of when I think of all natural things to help you fall asleep um, have, have you ever heard of the, the helios or helios for, for the blind um, I don't think I'm familiar with that non-24 medication uh, uh, it's how do you how do you say it again helios uh, helios or helios I don't know exactly, because uh, I am totally blind, and I, just, like I, said, I have real trouble falling asleep. Um, I'm not very familiar with that medication. Um, I'm looking it up right now to see uh, what that medication is. There, That is similar. That must be a, a similar to some of the other prescription medications that we have to help with sleep cycle, um, to help with insomnia. But I've never prescribed that, so I'm not very familiar with that medication. Um, Is that I, one that you've talked to your doctor about? Yeah, I've, I've tried it, and it, it's like, it's, you know, specifically for the blind, but it didn't seem to help me at all. I don't know. But I'll, I'll, try, I'll keep trying that and add the melatonin and see if, if that will help. Yes, and the melatonin is pretty natural. Um, there are some other medications out there besides the um, Ambien, uh, which I know a lot of people are hesitant to use Ambien. Um, but there's some other medications that we used to use, like old antidepressant medications. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Some of those medications like trazodone or amitriptyline, um, some of those medicines that we don't use as much for depression because of their side effects with making you feel so drowsy. But those are also common medications that we use. Um, and they're really safe. I have a lot of patients that use them. They're not, uh, you know, Ambien can be very mood altering and um, significant side effects to that. Whereas the Trazodone, I really haven't, uh, most people tolerate it really well. Uh, what do you think like, about like the Benadryl? 
So Benadryl is fine. Uh, Benadryl does make people sleepy. And there is also doxylamine, which is in Unisom. Um, those are both antihistamines, and they do. The problem with antihistamines, it comes with side effects. So um, they can make you have falls and dizziness. So if if you are blind, I would be careful with those medications just because of the increased risk of falls with those antihistamine medicines. Okay. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to try the melatonin and see, give that a try. Yeah, and hopefully that'll be helpful for you. And then, like I said, the chamomile and lavender, too, are also pretty good. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, no problem. Thank you for your call. So we'll continue talking, but if you have any comments or questions, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So we'll get back to asthma for a little bit. So we talked about how asthma is a chronic illness that is always there. So your people with asthma always have some inflammation and some irritation in their airways. The problems with asthma arise when you have a trigger that causes you to start wheezing and causes you to start coughing. Um, we don't really know why some people get asthma and why other people don't. Uh, we know probably genetics plays a role in it. Uh, you may have some genetic predisposition for it because we see that it does tend to run in families. Um, we also know allergies probably plays a role in it, too, So, because there's so many people that have allergies that also have problems with asthma. Um, but the true underlying reason, you know, people get certain people get asthma and certain people don't. We don't really know that. Um, so there's not a ton of research into that as to why that happens. So hopefully one day we'll be able to figure that out um, because that'll help us better treat it. So most people are going to be diagnosed when they're younger um, and typically tend to get better later on in life. But there are a fair amount of people that are diagnosed with asthma as they're into adulthood. And for some reason, it tends to um, occur more in women as opposed to men. And in uh, my experience, the adults, as you get diagnosed with asthma later on in life, those typically are associated with allergies. Um, and a lot of times if we diagnose an adult, we see that their immunoglobin levels are higher for IgE, which is related to allergies. So probably has something to do with that. Um, we talked in here a couple of weeks ago about the, when we were talking with Dr. LeBlanc about allergies, uh, the hygiene hypothesis. I'm not sure if people remember that or if you're familiar with that, but uh, we see so many allergies and more and more asthma as well, um, especially in you know, well-developed countries. In our developing countries, you don't see as many allergies and asthma. And so that has what has kind of led to this hypothesis, uh, hygiene hypothesis where uh, cleaner environments, um, access to frequent antibiotics, um, that our bodies aren't, instead of reactions like an immunologic reaction, immune triggering reaction, we're actually developing allergic reactions. And that's part of the whole thing too with, you know, now we tell you, you can give peanut butter to younger children, whereas we used to try to delay that and eggs and strawberries and different things like that. But we know now if you actually are exposed to it a little bit earlier, then the likelihood of developing an allergy is less. So, Possibly that's why we're seeing more allergies. Again, we don't have an asthma. We don't have a good reason as to why more and more people are getting asthma and why we some people get asthma and some people don't. But those are just a few of the things that we kind of think about when we think about asthma. 
Um, you know, if your child has asthma, you know, you need to make sure that everybody that's going to be taking care of your child um, is aware that they have asthma and that they're familiar with asthma and what that triggers and treatments entail um, because it can happen at any moment and unfortunately it can come on pretty quickly too. So this includes teachers, uh, coaches, uh, grandparents, babysitters, whoever's going to be caring for your kid needs to make sure that they are aware of asthma and how to take care of it. And it's important for your child. You know, it's important for you to have these discussions with your child. Um, it's not easy to talk about these kind of things, especially for younger children. It's hard for them to understand. But it's important that they know that they are uh, that they have asthma, so that if something were to happen, they can tell the next adult that was around them that, hey, I have asthma. Um, you know, there are medical bracelets and necklaces out there if you want to, if you're, especially if your child had severe asthma, that may be something to consider. Um, but talk to your child about it if they have been diagnosed with it, because it's very, very important that anybody that's going to be around them knows how to take care of it. Um, so asthma is the way we treat it, uh, there's not one treatment that fits everybody because everybody's triggers are different. Um, everybody's severity of asthma is different. So there's just because this worked for one person, it may not work for you. It may not work for your child. And that's okay. There's so many different treatments out there and there's even more and more advanced treatments um, that have been coming out. So just remember that not all asthma is the same. Uh, you know, there are types of asthma where you just cough. Um, so if your child coughs all throughout the night or an adult, if you cough throughout the night, there are what we call cough variant asthma, where you don't really wheeze that much, but you just cough all the time. That's something to consider uh, if that's something that you or your child is suffering with. Talk to your doctor about it. There's lung tests that we can do that could show that if your lungs were susceptible to asthma. Um, there's some people with asthma that only have wheezing and coughing when they exercise. So that's what we call exercise-induced asthma. So they don't really have symptoms or problems any other time. It's only when they get out there and they exercise and they run around. And then there's just the general asthma. And what we think about with it is we base uh, the diagnosis of it on how often you're having symptoms. So some of the terms that we use are intermittent, um, persistent, like mild, moderate, or severe persistent asthma. And the reason we try to categorize that, and if your child has asthma or you have had asthma, then you know that when you go to the doctor, some of the questions that we ask are, how often are you having to use your albuterol inhaler? Are you waking up at night coughing? Um, those are some of the things that let us know how severe your asthma is, and that lets us know how we better treat it. So those are some of the things to be thinking about when you go to the doctor or say you've noticed some of these symptoms in your child. Uh, these are some of the things to be looking for that could be signs that your young child or even as an adult, you could be developing asthma. So we're gonna continue our discussions about asthma. We've got a caller, Dan, if you can hang on the line, we'll get to you right after the break. But if you have any comments or questions, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We've been talking today about asthma, um, but if you have any questions about anything, we're happy to answer and talk about those as well. So we've got a few minutes left. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We've got a couple of callers, so we'll go to Dan in Yazoo City. Yes, good morning. Hey, what's going on today? Well, the comment that you made just uh, uh, before you went off the, the air to the break there um, struck a familiar chord with me and it may with other people uh, about uh, caretakers and people that are um, with children when they're in their guard, uh, whether they're alerted to the fact that they um, have asthma or not. And um, it happened to me uh, with a group of kids at, at a church function that I was I was at, and um, week after week, we have these uh, the playtimes, and one of the boys, he probably was 14, 13 years old, uh, was clearly in distress, and I kept watching him, and uh, finally uh, pulled him out, and he was just really having a difficult time, and I asked him if he was okay. And he said, yes. And I said, you're not uh, asthmatic, are you? And he said, I am. And I said, well, did you bring your inhaler? And he said, no. And and I just kind of wanted to make people aware that I think at that age, he was uh, more concerned that he didn't want kids to know that he was taking something. And, uh, and we were not aware of that at all. And so I held him out and, until he got better. And by then, we were, they were through with their games. And um and I told him, from now on, you bring that um, inhaler with you and have it in your pocket whenever you're playing those games. But, I mean, uh, that was a circumstance where, you know, there was not a parent there. There was not anyone that was um, uh, there to tell us about that. And he was not forthcoming with it. And I think we just need to be aware, you know, I think now <laughs> we'll ask kids before we do this, is anybody here, you know, have asthma? and uh, things like that. So it just brought it to our awareness, and I thought I'd bring it to, to others as well. Yeah, no, that's a great example of, of why it's so important to make sure that even if it is just mild exercise-induced asthma, people need to be aware that are going to be taking care of your child that they have that. So we appreciate you sharing that story with us. Um, most of the time, insurances are going to pay for more than one inhaler. Uh, not always. And unfortunately, an albuterol inhaler is, is not that cheap. Um, but if you can have more than one inhaler, just kind of like we always recommend having more than one EpiPen uh, so that you can have one with you at all times, as well as have one designated for home or for school. Um, if you are able to get more than one inhaler that you can have with you, that's always great because you can have it with you and then you can also have one at home or at school. So we appreciate you sharing that story and, and reiterating the fact how important it is that everybody knows if your child is sick with that asthma. So we'll go next to Charlotte in Cleveland. Uh, yes, uh, I would like to share uh, some information about an app called Propeller. Are y'all familiar with Propeller? 
I'm not. Uh-uh. Uh, it is for people with COPD and asthma. And uh, when you register, when you download the app, the app store, uh, you give your your mailing address, and they send little devices that you put on your inhalers. I have one on my Advair and my Ventolin, and they have a light on them and a chime. And I program the app for 10 in the morning, 10 at night for my Advair. And then if I'm busy and forget, the, the chime will go off on my Advair, reminding me to take it. Then it records my dose. And then if I have to use my Ventolin, it'll record uh, that event and say, we see that you had to use your rescue inhaler. We hope you feel better soon. And then when I have a doctor's visit, I can pull up my how my uh, little diary has been going and it, it's helpful for my doctor and me uh, that is awesome I was not aware that that was available that is such a good resource so how did you how did you hear about that and how did people find to get registered with that program uh, I found it on a pop-up ad that came up on Facebook one day and it's in um, like you can go just to the app store and download it and uh, it also keeps up with my singular, or like the things that don't require, uh, you know, they can't put a device on. But like at 10 o'clock at night, it'll say, did you remember to take your singular? And it'll ask me to record that I did. Oh, that is awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I was not familiar with that. So that's awesome. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah, so thank you so much for that call. So that's a great tool because that's one of the hardest things about, um, well, treating any chronic disease really is trying to remember to take your medications, whether that's an inhaler or a pill, um, like Singular is a pill, Advair is an inhaler. Uh, trying to remember to take those every day is, is hard enough. So if you could have something to remind you as well as keeping up with how often you have to use your venolin, which is albuterol, which is what we call our rescue inhaler. Um, so when your symptoms flare up, having to use that medicine. Because like I was saying earlier, that's how we judge how well your disease is being controlled, which again, lets us know what medications you need. So that's an awesome resource that's out there. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, so we've got just a few minutes left. If you have a question, give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 But in our last few minutes, we'll just talk real quickly about um, an asthma action plan, because if your child has asthma, you have probably heard that term before. Um, if that, if you have not heard that term before, this is something to talk to your doctor about. So what we talk about with an action plan is, and this is something to talk to your child about as well, is this kind of lets them know where they are and what medicines they need for their asthma. So if you're in the green, that means you're having no symptoms. You don't need any medicines. Uh, if you're in the yellow, so we kind of think of it as a, a stoplight system, a green, yellow, red. If you're in the yellow, that means your symptoms are mild, and that means you need to go use your albuterol inhaler. So that is going to be our rescue inhaler. It is prescribed medicine, so it's something that you have to get from your doctor. Um, but this action plan lets kind of everybody know, including your child, including you as an adult, whoever has is suffering from asthma, as well as anybody around you 
knows what to use. So you can, if your symptoms are mild, you're having some wheezing, you're having a cough, there's also what we call a peak flow meter, which is something that you can blow into, and it lets you measure how much air you're blowing out. And that also lets you know kind of where you are, if you're in the safe zone for green or if you're in the mild side with the yellow, um, and to use your albuterol. If it's, you know, if it goes to the red, so a lot of times what it'll say is give yourself a couple of puffs of the albuterol inhaler. And if it doesn't clear up your symptoms or say you blow into that peak flow meter and you only get a little bit of air out, then that lets us know that, hey, you're in that red zone, which is the dangerous zone. And that means you need to seek care immediately. So that's one thing that every person with asthma, no matter what age you are, needs to have a plan in place. And you don't have, you know, green, yellow, red is just what we use with kids because it's just an easy example of when to pick what, in, if you need an inhaler, when you need to go to the doctor. Um, but, you know, you can come up with your own asthma plan with your doctor uh, so that you can be aware of your own asthma action plan. That's something we just always try to stress with our asthma patients. Um, no matter your age, you need to have a plan in place for when you get sick. So we appreciate everyone's calls today, and hopefully we answer some questions. If we didn't get to it, you know, you can always send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org, and we'll be happy to reach out to you. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Think Radio, and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.